Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 225 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. And of course, I'm joined again by Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers, the former heavyweight world title challenger, four weeks in a row. Eddie, how are you? This is the Joey and Eddie podcast yeah. now, baby. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. No, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm uh, just uh, settling in and uh, relaxing, so perfect time for me to do it. Perfect time to get the show on the road. Um, yeah, like mm-hmm. I say, the Box Hard podcast, the Joey and Eddie show, and... I like to call this podcast the most international boxing podcast on the net. And the reason I say that is because we speak to guys from all over the world. I'm sure if you've listened before, you will know that 450 guests before this week, 224 shows, 82 different world champions. Just uh, just reminding the listeners, Eddie, a, a little bit about what we do here. And also those first-timers mm-hmm. that may not know. But let's start, of course, with the review part of the show where we visit or revisit the, the action from last weekend. We're going to start here with a card that took place a week ago today, Thursday day the 30th of Jan at the Meridian in Miami, Florida, USA. A couple fights to mention on the bill to say the least. Let's start though with Tevin Farmer, Philly's very own 30 and 5 now with a draw. A guy that of course started his career very rocky. He seemed to turn it round. He seemed to you know, be very, very um, hard to beat on his reign. Um, but yeah, ultimately it came to an end here against Joseph Jojo Diaz. Now 31 and one third time lucky for him. It was his third attempt at a world title. Um, in terms of, you know, the first fight he, he lost to Gary Russell jr. The second fight, he actually came in just overweight and, um, he won the fight, but wasn't able to actually take the belt home. And of course, third shot lucky, um, the IBF world champion. Now the, uh, the super featherweight world champion, Joseph Jojo Diaz. As the rightful winner in my eyes, um, a very good fight. I'm not sure if you saw any of it though, Eddie. Um, I know when we last spoke, you uh, haven't seen I, any. Uh, no, I really haven't even had a time to sit down. But from what I've heard from you and also heard from others, um, I actually was actually planning to turn it on and, and you know, like sitting and actually having to watch and really wanted to see exactly what happened. Still haven't had a chance to do it. Obviously, you know, times are busy, so. There's a lot of stuff I'm doing back and forth, trying to keep myself in line and and sitting in shape and ready to do these things. But um, but from what I understand, it just did, um, and it's not taking anything away from what Jojo uh, Diaz did in the fight. But I'm hearing that Tevin really didn't look at himself, you know, after he hurt his hand. Um, but even before that, he said he looked a little um, a little flat, like not really a lot of pop and not really a lot of um, you know, his normal. You know, sharpness, excitement, sharpness, just movement, and sharpness. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. A lot, a lot of those, a lot of those things didn't really happen. And obviously, when you hurt your hand in a fight or your arm or whatever you might do, um, it severely affects your game plan. You know what I mean. And 
most people figure Kevin is not a big, you know, he's like a one more of a one-handed guy. He uses that one hand, you know, quite a lot. But um, it, with a guy, obviously, of an elite level like Jojo Diaz, it's really difficult to fight guys like that one-handed. I mean, I can tell you from experience, even even if you have success at it, it's a really, really tough. It's tough to match someone's uh, punch count, for example, without a doubt. It's, it's tough to match a punch count for somebody if you only have one hand, obviously. Because you can't throw punches in combinations, obviously, quite like you would if you had both your hands. So you, you're going to struggle with punch output and activity. So now you have to really, really be almost Mayweather-like with your pot shot. And you still have to throw a reasonable amount of punches and a reasonable amount of shots. So, so it's better if you hurt your backhand than your, than your forehand because if you hurt your forehand, that's really going to limit your uh, punch count. Trust me, I know. What do you know about fighting with one arm? <laughs> I don't even know, man. I don't even know why I brought that up. That was a stupid thing. I should never said it. <laughs> but but no. But seriously, when you when you think about it, though, Joe, it's like you're out there, and and for me, like the camp that I had, we had a beautiful camp, and I was throwing tons of punches. I had guys that were lighter than me, and we were going at it in the gym. It was so fun. It was a, it was a, probably one of the best camps I've ever had in my life, and it was with my man Bashir and and, 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 St- and my brother Steve and everybody else that was involved, um, and it was great, but then, you know, you get hit with the that unexpected thing that you would just never think it would happen, but that's why you got to be always ready for everything. You know, you got to expect the unexpected and you got to figure out a way to adjust. So what happened was, uh, you know, you get into the fight and I thought so many times, what I might do. Right. And I was like, man, shoot, if I hurt my left hand, I'll just switch Southpaw and, and I'll, you know, I'll counter right hand and then I'll switch to the South, to the Southpaw's hand and I'll use that as the lead hand. You know, you get all those things in your head and you even, I even went over it time and again, like how I would do it. And never did I ever think that that would actually happen, but there it is. So I say all that to say, <laughs> if that ever happens in a situation like that, you have to be prepared to do what maybe the unthinkable or, or, or some mo- most might think is, is un- the undoable. And you just got to figure a way. You got to figure a way through it. For sure. And um, for those that that um, that may be thinking, how come Eddie's so passionate about the uh, the situation of fighting with one arm, go and look at that Chambers-Adamek <laughs> fight, a fight where Eddie definitely, in a lot of people's eyes, did enough to get the verdict, but didn't get it. Um, definitely a good fight, though, mm-hmm. to look back at. Perhaps not, not your fight mm-hmm. to look back at with fond memories, but definitely one for, uh, for fight fans that like a good heavyweight fight. It was that. Um, but yeah, getting back onto yeah. what happened last week, I'm just going to run through a yeah. couple of the rounds. I mean, towards the end, I kind of zoned out a little bit, really, because Diaz was fully in control. But starting from the first round, mm-hmm. um, the first round was a decent round. I felt like Tevin may have just edged it, perhaps. It was a real battle of the jabs. Um, you know, both men not really committing at that stage. It was a bit of a chess match early on there. Uh, the second round, that was where Diaz picked up a, a horrendous cut. It came from, like I say, a head clash. Farmer, for me, won the round. He was just a little bit too sharp for Diaz. Diaz wasn't really respecting what was coming back at him, though. And, um, you know, for that reason, he was walking into quite a lot of shots that were that were certainly scoring points. But um, he went back to the corner and... 
like I said, the cut was quite gruesome. The commentary team were saying that just by looking at it straight away, you'd you'd probably guess that the fight will at some point get stopped because of the cut. And I don't think anyone would have would have ever saw it actually go in the distance if you saw how bad the cut was. Uh, round three, that was yeah. where for me Diaz started to turn it round. He won the round for me. The whole round was pretty much fought in a phone box. They were really um, going at it really on the inside, but Diaz, for me, got the better of the work. The fourth round was a very uh, methodical round, you know. Um, I expected... I expected really the fight itself, the first the first stages really to be a little bit kind of you know like the ball and the matador type kind of fight. I felt like right. Diaz would would be a little bit reckless, and he was in, in in moments in those earlier rounds. But actually, as the fight went on, he did start to get quite calculated in his attacks. For me, two two after four rounds, um, Diaz for me picked up the fifth. Farmer picked up the sixth. So again, I had it all square after six. And then that is where, for me, Diaz really started to take over. For me, he won the 7th, the 8th, the ninth, the 10th. And I don't even think I bothered scoring the 11th and 12th. But um, the 8th round was, was, a, was, was, was a notable good round, actually. It was probably the best round of the fight. But, um, yeah, other than that, you know, it was, it was quite shocking. Like you mentioned... Um, Tevin, I think, hurt mm-hmm. his hand in the in the uh, in in the. It may have even been the first round. So, of course, that was a bit of a shame. There is a rematch clause there. Tevin straight away said he wants that rematch. But um, yeah, you know, it was a, it was a good fight. It was a risky yeah. fight. But what I have to say, and I do love Tevin to pieces, but his run as a world yeah. champion was. Very underwhelming, you know, when you look back at it, he won the title back in um, in August of 2018 against Billy Dibb, fair enough, but then he went on a bit of a, a, bit of a poor run, really, you know, just, um, just going through the names, mm. I mean, he was quite active, fair play to him <laughs> for that, but he defended it successfully four times, um, James Tennyson, again, that's a guy who is, is you know, based over here, um, Francisco Fonseca, that was a guy who... Um, who got stopped in eight rounds by Javante Davis, you know, not really a, a threat to Tevin. Um, John O'Carroll, of course, was his third defense. Um, that was a good fight, but again, John O'Carroll was expected to get totally outclassed. He lost, you know, quite wide in the end, but it was a good fight, closer than people probably thought he would have been. And then, of course, the uh, the final successful defense against Guillaume Frenois, who had a real inflated record, 46-1 and one with a draw. And, of course, Tevin went the distance with him as well. Um, yeah, so he hasn't really had the... The, the right type of fights, in my opinion, um, you know, to, to jump right up in, in class. It sounds kind of crazy, but you'd have to say, in recent times, probably Diaz has fought the better opposition, and um, he wasn't the world champion, you know? So yeah. it was certainly his moment. Yeah. I'm proud of him as well, because he, he came on the show and... Um, you know, I'm chasing these guys, Eddie, a lot of the time. I'm chasing these <laughs> boxers for a long time. And Diaz was a guy I think I was chasing, I want to say, for about two years, which sounds mad. Damn. And um, when he did come on the yeah. show, you know, he really went went really, really kind of in-depth with a lot of things, a lot of real sensitive things. And even even um, after the interview, I basically just said to him, like, Jojo, you know, you said you said quite a few things I didn't expect you to say, like, you know, have you gone into that much detail before? Because it was, it was just shocking, the things he was saying about one time when he tried to make weight, and oh, it was it was actually kind of scary hearing what he was saying. And he basically said, you know, because yeah. I've been 
you know, pretty bad at getting back to you and stuff like that. I decided to, you know, really give you a good piece there and open right up. So I've got a soft spot for him, but um, you know, Tevin's yeah. been a frequent a frequent guest on the show as well. So made a best man winning the rematch, but like I say, very very um. You know, can't take anything away from Diaz. Congrats to him. And, of course, commiserations for Tevin Farmer um, on that card as well, because it was a decent card. Um, we're going to talk about the... Well, I'm not quite sure which order the fights took place in, because it was a bit of a weird one. But let's talk about Demetrius Andrade, now 29-0. and um, A TKO for him in the ninth round against Luke Keeler. That one, of course, was a defense of Andrade's WBO world middleweight title. Um, a bit of a weird one. You know, I said it on last week's show. I've said it many times before. Luke Keeler reminds me of Joe Calzaghe. And uh, people are going to probably be laughing at me for that. Keeler was down in the first three seconds of the fight. The first punch that landed, Andrade had him down um he got back up to be fair to him Keeler, and he he did okay actually after the knockdown but obviously andrade won the round big um like i said i was a little bit impressed to even see Keeler make it out of that round he was caught you know proper flush and um and cold as well uh the second round after what i felt was quite a decent start to the round for Keeler. He was down again. Um, it was a massive left hook this yeah. time. It was it was swung from from a long way out, right from the hips um, with Andrade. You know, he, he does that sometimes. He likes to jump in with his shots, and it was right on the button. Honestly, yeah. I you know, you, you, a lot of people wouldn't have got up from that shot. It was a peach of a shot. I was surprised to see Keeler yeah. get up, and to be honest, he was saved by the bell. There was only I think about thirteen seconds left in that round. He just wasn't on the level of Demetrius Andrade, which again everyone knew kind of going into that fight the third round Luke Keeler wasn't really doing too much he was waiting too long for Andrade which I felt was the wrong tactics from the get-go he was looking to try and counter punch someone like Demetrius Andrade it just wasn't happening because Andrade you know when he gets in his groove when he fights at his own pace and he's a counter puncher himself Andrade he was just controlling everything Keeler wasn't having any success and like I say he was sitting back looking to counter it just wasn't happening for him uh, the fourth round a much better round for Keeler not sure he did enough to nick it, but it was encouraging stuff at that stage. The fifth round, again, a much better round for Keeler. He perhaps may have even won that round. Um, round six, Demetrius Andrade was just dancing and prancing around the ring, evading shots. He was barely throwing any shots himself. You probably had to give the round to Luke Keeler because <laughs> Demetrius Andrade just took a round off. He didn't even throw a shot. And then, um, yeah, like I say, that was the first half of the fight. The second half of the fight... It was hard to really keep your concentration. It was just repetitive. Uh, the final round, I'd say a few heavy shots were landed, um, I think, by Demetrius Andrade. And, you know, Luke Keeler was, was getting caught a little bit too often. Um, and, yeah, the referee jumped in. You know, Keeler was protesting and stuff. But, I mean, I didn't really want to see any more of it at that stage. Like I say, he might have won one or two rounds when Andrade basically let him win the rounds. But other than that, it wasn't a competitive fight. Um, let's now talk about Daniel Roman. Oh, boy, this was quite quite a hard, um, a hard, you know, decision or loss, whatever, to, to, to take. You know, for those that like Daniel Roman, I'm a big fan of his... Um, 
yeah, he lost his WBA and IBF World Super Bantamweight titles against the uh, the guy that we spoke about last week, Eddie, a good amateur. He was only 7-0 and mm. going into the fight. Um, so he's now 8-0. Oh, and yeah. He's got two of the four main belts at Super Bantamweight at 122. Wow. Um, Daniel Roman, yeah, 27-3 and with a draw. Um, that was the best fight on that card by miles, by the way. Um, again, I'm going to try and whiz oh, yeah? through going to try and whiz through these rounds because uh yeah there was quite a lot going on the first round an exciting opening round for me danny roman picked it um nicked it i should say um brilliant power in roman's jabs you know he he demonstrated some fantastic power in his jabs the uzbek fighter though um whose name has evaded me akmadaliev yep um you know, he he definitely made his presence known. He looked solid. You know, he, he he threw a couple of looping left hooks that looked quite beefy. And, of course, the Uzbek fighter seemed to be, um, you know, the man coming forward, the aggressor for most of that first round, despite me giving it to Roman. The second round, a good start to the round from Roman, but... Um, you know, the the role switched. Roman started to, to become the man coming forward. The Uzbek was on the back foot, um, even though I'd say the Uzbek was, was a bit busier while on the back foot, which, again, he showed us a little bit of both already in those first two rounds of his first world title fight as a pro. Quite impressive early on. Um, Roman was catching a lot of the shots on his gloves, though, so nothing really landed too clean in that second round I felt like the Uzbek probably just about stole the round though in the second half of it you know he kept his hands down he danced a little bit he got a few of his own shots off here and there and Roman didn't really get near him so 1-1 for me after the first two the third round I had to give it to Akhmadaliev um, it wasn't like he was beating Roman up or anything but he was just doing enough to win the rounds and I also felt that Roman you know, wouldn't have probably been too upset about the Uzbek kind of having a bit of a fast start. The Uzbek had never gone past nine rounds in a pro ring. Obviously, Roman had been the distance a few times. There was still plenty of time at that stage for Roman to, you know, to get back into it. Like I say, 2-1. Um, some people had it 3-0 to zero for the Uzbek fighter. Um Skipping the fourth round, because I, I can't really remember what happened in that round, but the fifth round, definitely um, a round for me that Daniel Roman won, despite a nice little spell from the Uzbek at the very end of the round. It wasn't all Roman, but, you know, Roman would step in, land his shots and step out. It was intelligent pressure from him, and he showed his experience. He showed his world-class experience, um, you know, a good time in the fight as well to win a round. Uh, going into the sixth round... Close, close round, you know, Akhmadaliev had had some tremendous footwork on display. He was at times beating Roman to the punch, but when Roman did have his moments, he looked really good himself. Roman, the, the thing about him, he's a, he's a guy I'd say does all the basics well, but nothing exceptional, if you like. Roman always turns his shots over properly, and he throws shots from unusual angles. Um, I, I just have to say, if he was a bigger puncher than what he is, I think he'd be a true, true elite top fighter. And that's not saying he's not. You know, he had two of the belts um, at... At, you know, he was the unified champion at 122. The seventh round, a much better round for Roman. He, he landed a lovely body shot in the round. He landed a lovely right hand on the bell. And um, he seemed to completely up his game and his activity there going into that second half of the fight. Um, you know, 
Akhmadaliev went back to his corner looking a little bit bewildered, I'd even I'd even have said. Um, round 8, an excellent action-packed round. Roman was insanely busy. There was tons of point-scoring shots. He didn't really overcommit with the power aspect. It was just tippy-tappy kind of shots. Akhmadaliev and Roman had a few trade-ups in the final parts of the round, but a clear Roman round for me. Round 9, I gave it to Akhmadaliev. He seemed to get the spring back in his step. He'd gone quiet for a couple of the prior rounds, and again, he seemed to beat Roman to the punch for most of that ninth. The tenth round, another good action round, but Akhmadaliev just seemed to punish Roman a little bit. You know, he cut the eye of Roman. Akhmadaliev looked fresh, like I say. Perhaps his second wind had kicked in at that stage, but a very close fight for me going into the championship rounds. And in round 11, a bit of a nothing round for the first half, but in the second half, Akhmadaliev picked up the pace and for me just about grabbed the round. And then in the twelfth and final round, a brilliant finish to the fight for the champion Danny Roman, or the former champion now, you know, he really poured everything into it. He clearly won the round, but he wasn't really able to put a dent in Akhmadaliev, you know, throughout the whole fight, really. Roman did box like everything was riding on that round, and perhaps, you know, perhaps it, it should have been. But all in all, you know, a massive, a massive, massive credit has to be given to Akhmadaliev, who I think showed you know, showed showed enough there to prove he's going to be a formidable opponent for anyone, especially at 122. Um, but yeah, for me, I felt like overall it was it was it was a close fight. You know, it probably probably could have. I think I, I wasn't strictly scoring it all the way, but I'd say Danny Roman probably should have got a draw. But if if I didn't, you know, if I had to side with one man, I think Akmadelev might have just about pinched it. But um, yeah, sad to see Danny Roman lose his world title because he's a real, a real cool guy. Um, yeah, getting through things a little bit quicker now. Like I say, the three main fights we've discussed for quite a while there. Um, Anthony Sims Jr., very good prospect, twenty and O. Eddie Hearn obviously signed him what seems like a while ago now. Um, I think he even boxed over in the UK or whatever. He's, you know, he made videos in the past taking the uh, or making fun out of, I should say, uh, making fun out of Anthony Yard, who obviously went on to to fight Kovalev, put up a good performance. Well, anyway, Anthony Sims Jr. lost his O, a split decision loss, over ten rounds to Roma Alexis Angulo, a guy I'd never heard of before the fight, twenty five and one. Now 26-1. He takes Anthony Sims Jr.'s O there. I didn't see the fight. It wasn't televised, but Dan Raphael tweeted and said it was one of the worst fights he's ever seen. So that was enough to put me off watching it back. That one was for the WBO Latino Super Middleweight title. Also, by the way, that Roman Akhmadaliev fight ended in a split decision. Um... 115, 113 twice for Akhmadaliev and the, the exact same score, 115, 113 to Daniel Roman. So like I say, a very close fight. I think there is a rematch clause in there. There should have been one. I think there, I think there is. Um, I'd definitely be up for seeing that again. Amanda Serrano was on the bill as well. I think she's a seven-weight world champion, a true legend in female boxing terms. 38 and one with a draw. That was her 40th out in there. A third-round TKO against Simone Silva who's now 17 and 15. Um, I think that is it, though, for that one. Let's move out now to the Tempore Arena, they called it. I don't um, I don't even know if they had an arena booked properly the week of the fight. There was all sorts of rumours that the fight wouldn't even happen, and it goes down at the Tempore Arena. So I'm guessing it could have been something like a tent and some stackable chairs. Um, Ilunga Makabu from Congo, he was the home fighter. It was a... 
I think it was a Don King promotion card, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, he is now 27 and 2. He finally gets his hands on a world title. Of course, he boxed Tony Bellew at Goodison Park. He put Bellew down. I think it was in the first round, and then Bellew came back to stop him. I think in the second round or whatever. Um, that was that was crazy. The emotions. Flying through all of us that night, but yeah, he gets his hands on a WBC World Cruiserweight title. The opponent, Michael Seslak, 19 and 0 going in, now 19 and 1. A unanimous decision there for Makabu. Makabu can really punch as well, so that tells me that Seslak must have a real good chin. Uh, moving out now to the mm. Ulster Hall in Belfast, Northern Ireland, United Kingdom. Uh, one fight to mention over here. I actually missed the fight. I wanted to watch it on YouTube, but by the time I turned the stream on, it had already finished. So um, I, I saw the result and, yeah, didn't end up watching it back. But David Oliver Joyce, very good amateur. Obviously lost to Lee Wood as a professional, 11-1. and He took on former world champion Lee Haskins, 36-4 and going in. It was for the vacant WBO European Super Bantamweight title. Lee Haskins was down and TKO'd in the fifth round, and he decided to announce his retirement after the fight. That is his second retirement. Hopefully that is it for him, though, because... Um, you know, a former world champion like himself, you know, you don't want to see him carrying on too long. And if he's losing to David Oliver Joyce, who, like I say, was a tremendous amateur, but hasn't really looked the same kind of guy as a pro, as a pro you know, that's um, that's bad. When a world, when a former world champion loses to, you know, a prospect, not even an unbeaten prospect, that's not a good look. Um, <clears throat> Gary Cully, 9-0, and took on Joe Fitzpatrick, 10-0. and that one I thought would be a good fight, but Gary Cully knocked Joe Fitzpatrick out in a round there for the vacant BUI Ireland National Lightweight title. Um, moving out now mm. to the Beau Rivage Resort and Casino in Mississippi, USA. Uh, this one was on Fox Sports 1. Um, your Dennis Ugas, now 25-4. and four. Um, his opponent, Mike Dallas Jr., retired on his store after seven rounds. Mike Dallas Jr. now 23-4 and four with two draws. Um, I didn't see that one, by the way. And the final card to mention at the Inn of the Mountain Gods Resort and Casino in Rudoso, New Mexico, USA. Um, Austin Trout, former world champion, thirty-two and five with a draw. Bit of an easy touch against Rosbel Montoya, seventeen and nine with a draw. Um, that was a TKO for Austin Trout inside two rounds. Um, the 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 crazy thing about that, you know, obviously, I said on last week's show, Austin Trout is a guy who. Who, who I like, you know, got a soft spot for him. He's been on the show um, a couple of times, but he he deserved, in my opinion, an easy touch. You know, he's he's had a lot of hard mm-hmm. fights in in recent times, but the guy he was fighting, Eddie, and we don't always see this. He boxed a guy who was one and seven in his last eight fights, and he'd been out of the ring for two mm. years before last weekend. Um, I tweeted that yeah. out. And within a couple of minutes, Ishay Smith was tweeting me saying that he asked for the fight but never heard back. Um, as far as I knew, Ishay Smith had hung up the gloves, you know, literally physically hung yeah. up the gloves, took them off and turned to bare-knuckle yeah. boxing where I think he, he beat someone up pretty badly a few months ago. But um, that would have been an interesting fight, mm-hmm. actually, Ishay Smith against Austin Trout. <laughs> well, I, I say so, interesting. Yeah. might not have been the best to watch, but, you know. Interesting for the winner. I, well, E.J. Smith and Austin Trout. I mean, I feel like both of them 
you know, have a great deal of heart and do have some boxing skills. So it would have been interesting. I mean, Austin Trustman's the biggest puncher in the world, but, you know, and to be honest, I guess neither is Ishe Smith, but they're both, you know, they're just the skills that they both have and the fact that they do like to throw punches will make an interesting fight, honestly. I mean, I know different times E.J. Smith probably has been a little, seems like he's been a little shy, but for the most part, you know, them standing in there and both of them have big hearts, it could have been, it could have been interesting. Could have been interesting. But like I say, that was the final card to mention of the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, the final thing to do is to welcome our first guest, which will be Mr. Shakur Stevenson. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the new WBO featherweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Shakur Stevenson. Shakur, welcome back on the show, my man. What's up? What's up? Feel good to be back. It's great to have you back, Shakur. It really is. We last spoke in October, uh, so not too long ago. It was obviously just before that fight against Joet Gonzalez for the vacant world title. You know, there was a lot of build-up to that fight. There was a bit of bad blood there, but ultimately, it wasn't a close fight. You pretty much shut Gonzalez out. Just give me a few words on that fight, and perhaps more importantly, how it felt to get the win. I mean, um, it was a good fight. Uh, I shut him out. I did what I had to do. Um, I did what I knew I was going to do, and I did what I prepared for. But um, it was a good fight overall, and uh, I'm happy that I gave a good performance for my first World Chatter fight. And Shakur, I've interviewed countless prospects over the years. I, you know, I can honestly say I spoke to some some tremendous fighters. But for me, you you probably are the, probably the one prospect that I felt a hundred percent sure about becoming a world champion at some point. And I know that you're a confident young man. I know that you'd have felt a hundred percent confident that you'd at some point go on to win a world title. But can you just describe the feeling? Is it has it changed? Anything at all, or, or, or you know, does that feeling of being a world champion just just feel normal to you? Because it was so expected. <laughs> I mean, it kind of feel normal um, <laughs> now that it happened. I mean, like getting ready for it and preparing for it, uh, the preparation and stuff was hard, and and thinking about winning the world title kind of was uh, heavy on my mind. But I guess I don't know. It feel mad normal now. Like I don't feel like nothing crazy. I feel like I'm just a world champion. I feel like I ain't do nothing yet, so I still feel like like I'm a prospect that's hungry. Like I don't know, it's weird. Okay, so what's what's it like? You know, obviously you got this new this new belt and stuff like that. Is it just like I mean, what does it feel like? Like a new pair of sneakers, or is it way more than that? I mean, it meant at the time it meant a lot more. Um, right now I kind of feel like a uh, <laughs> like a new pair of sneakers. Um, it don't feel it don't feel that crazy no more because it's like. Um, I got so much more to do in boxing, and that's like a that's a short-term goal. Um, and I really want to be like one of the best boxers ever. So I got to keep improving myself and keep improving every fight. I love that attitude. And of course, your next fight definitely isn't one that you can overlook at all. It's against Miguel Mariaga, a man that definitely has the pro experience over yourself. He's been in there with some sensational fighters like Lomachenko, like Oscar Valdez, like Nicholas Waters, and he can definitely punch, as his record suggests. A tough fight, this Shakur. Obviously, not everyone knows who Mariaga is, but a tough fight. Yeah, I kind of um, when I when I announced it today. I kind of received a little hate um, for the fight. Oh, wow. And I didn't really understand it because it's like, um, I felt like Mariaka is a really good opponent for me. He's not like a, a walk in the park. Um, he's been in two fights um, with, I mean, three fights. He's been in three fights and he's been in two with 
Nicholas Walters with um, Oscar Valdez, and I felt like he had good performance with with both of them. So uh, Lomachenko was a lot bigger than he was, and Walters was actually a lot bigger than he was too. Yeah. But I felt like I felt like um, he's a real good opponent. Ain't nobody just going there wiped him out besides um, Lomachenko. And um, I feel like it's going to be a great fight. It's funny the way boxing is, because like I say, you you raced to that world title, you know, in in such such few fights compared to other guys, and then as soon as you win one, it's like, oh well, we want mega fights, mega fights, mega fights, because like I say, it's your first. Defense. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, it's your first offense. It's a tough it. guy for your first offense. Hey, yeah, like Lemachenko for him, and it's like after Lemachenko beat him, they took him out pound for pound, number one, and all this stuff, and he was just coming off a loss to Oscar Valdez, and now it's like I'm fighting him. And it's like, oh, he's not this, he's not that. But I don't, I, I don't get it. I kind of really just don't get that at all. <laughs> we never do, man. We never do. But um, yeah, the fight takes place March the fourteenth at the Medis- at the Madison Square Garden Theater. Now, last time we spoke, you mentioned that you felt like your stay at featherweight would be kind of short lived. You planned on winning the world title and maybe even moving up straight away if you couldn't land a big fight. Have those plans altered slightly? Nah, not at all. I think that um, after after this fight, I think I want to fight Warrington. And if I can't get the Warrington fight, I'm moving up. But if I get the Warrington fight, I'll stay here and um, and cut that weight and get there and fight um, Josh Warrington. So I think uh, that was ultimately like the, the plan. So I think that we're going to stick to that plan. And that's another thing that the fans love about you. You know, you speak your mind. You don't really hold back on who you want to fight. You've never dodged any questions about fighting the likes of Conlon in the past or even Oscar Valdez when he was champion. You know, you were welcoming these fights. You were, you, you know, you were making it clear from, from day one, really, that you, you were happy to box Josh Warrington, even if it meant having to travel over here. Um, where are we in terms of that fight happening at some point later in the year, Shakur? How confident are you that the fight can happen? I mean, I'm I'm 80 percent sure um, that the fight gonna happen. I just watched the interview with Warrington, and he seemed real confident about the fight. And uh, I feel like they saying uh, May June. So um, depending on how I feel after this fight, it should be around May June. And I think that the fight gonna happen. And have you got any indication at all where it's most likely to be? Because Eddie Hearn said something recently. He really doesn't think it's going to take place in the UK. Obviously, from my point of view, it's a little bit sad, but you know, it's all about it's all about the business side of it. Really. I got a question though. Wait, wait, Eddie Hearn said that? How? Ain't Eddie Hearn, he not uh, no. Josh Warrington promoter, right? No, no, no. I thought it was Frank No, he's not, but someone asked him about it anyway, uh, and he was just basically saying he doesn't think Frank Warren's going to be able to pay you enough to get you over here, basically. <laughs> yeah, that that probably is going to be the problem. If, uh, if the fight don't happen, I agree with Eddie Hearn. I think that that, that would most likely be the problem. I think that uh, I'm a champion, and I should get paid what a champion deserves. So. Um, but we'll see by May, June. Um, we'll see um, what they're talking. If not, I just go up to 130 and take over the 130 um, division. And of course, every fighter's goal is to win a world title. You became a world champion real early um, in your pro career. What is the goal now? Because you mentioned there's a lot to come. You know, it felt great when you were training to become a world champion. Now you are a world champion. Is the goal to become a multi-weight world champion? Is it to at some point become undisputed? What is your top goal? Uh, as of right now, it's going to be multi-weight um, world champion. Um, I'm looking forward to going to 130, winning the world title there and I'm looking for the big fights at 130 and see what I can get. Okay. 
And just finally, Shakur, as always, I'd like to just give you an opportunity to send out a message to your UK supporters from over here. What's your message to your supporters from this side of the pond? Tune in March 14th. I'm going to give the UK fans a taste of what I'm going to do to Josh Warrington. <laughs> okay, listen, Shakur, it is always a pleasure speaking with you, my man. Best of luck for March 14th in New York. and We shall catch up again after the fight for sure. All right, thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Um, One real piece of news to mention is that Joseph Parker returns to the ring. Obviously, we were supposed to see him take on Derek Chisora at the back end of last year, but he was bitten by a spider, and um, he had some kind of allergic reaction to that, and he obviously had to pull out the fight, which he was gutted about, by the way. I think we had him on the show. Yeah, we had him on the show, actually. Um, in the build-up to that fight that never happened. And for me, it would have been a good fight for Parker. But, yeah, I've seen him since then posting pictures um, with, with like, a T-shirt on with a massive spider on it. So he seems like he's perhaps befriended the spider and it won't bite him again. But anyway, he's back on February 29th. He, he has a fight here in in um, in Frisco, Texas. I'm not quite sure what card it's going to be on. It's, it's um, I think it's... Uh, I think it's a, yeah, it's a matchroom card. I can't remember who he... I'm going to have to look it up now. That is so unprofessional of me. I should have known, um, but it's completely slipped my mind. He's taken on a, a guy who I don't think has a fantastic-looking record. 13-2, and two, Sean Dell Winters. 13 wins, like I say, but 12 by KO. Um, he's coming off a good win... <laughs> It wasn't his last fight, but the fight before that, he beat an undefeated Ukrainian fighter called um, Alexander Tezlenko, who was tipped for real big things. And, um, yeah, um, Sean Del Winters actually knocked him out in five rounds. So that was a big upset, a big upset there. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Parker's a former heavyweight world champion, should be too good for him. And, by the way, that one is on the. Um, the undercard of Mikey Garcia against Jesse Vargas, and obviously uh, there's a few mm. other good fights on the bill. You've got um, Cal Yafai taking on Chocolatito for the WBA World Super mm. Flyweight title. You've got Julio Cesar Martinez taking on um, the Welshman, Jay Harris, the undefeated Welshman. And also Murat Gassiev makes his um, long-awaited heavyweight um, debut. He takes on Jerry Forrest, 26 and 3. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's that. That's the one piece of news that we have. Let's move now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here at the Sheffield Arena. This one takes place on Saturday. Um, no opponent just yet, Eddie, but Dave the White mm-hmm. Rhino Allen, 17-5 and five with two draws. He's in mm-hmm. a six-rounder. Mm-hmm. No opponent just yet, but strong, strong rumors that it's going to be a former opponent of yours. Can you guess who? Mm. Guess who? Can you guess who? Mm-hmm. A, a, UK oppo- a UK opponent when I was in the UK, right? Uh, well, that's narrowed it down big. That's narrowed it down quite big. But yeah, go on in, yeah. Carl Baker? Nope. Mm. Oh, wait, hold on, wait. Give me a, oh, not Moses Maturo. Nope, you, I can't believe how bad you're at these oh, boxing games. No, 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 I, I know it's Dorian Darsh. Yes, <laughs> third time lucky Dorian. They call him. Uh, <laughs> 
you wouldn't know yeah, what this true. drink is called, um, Eddie, because they, they, do they have Strongbow over there? Alcoholic drink. Not that I, well, I don't have heard In of fact, it. No, it's not Strongbow. It's, I think it's, oh God, I've forgotten now. But anyway, it's like, a, it's a cider. You know what cider is, right? A what? Cider. You said a slider? No, no, no. It's called cider. It's like, um, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 cider yeah, is, right? yeah. So yeah. they're like fruit flavored yeah, and stuff, yeah. right? Right, right, okay. There's a cider, and I've forgotten. I said Strongbow because I thought that was the brand of it, but actually, it's definitely not Strongbow. It might be, I don't even remember. But anyway, it's a, it's an alcoholic drink, and um, <laughs> it's called mm-hmm. like the flavor. It's, it's a real popular flavor. I've, I'm not gonna lie, I've, I've drunk quite a few of those cans in the past. But anyway, it's it's <laughs> like the flavor of it is dark fruits. Well, apparently, um, Dorian Darch, you know, takes quite a liking to this this particular flavor of cider. So his new nickname is Dorian Dark Fruits Darch. That's what I heard. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I heard. That's what I heard. Seriously? Honestly, that's what I've heard. So uh, apparently we may get to Mm. see the White Rhino against Dark Fruits on Saturday in the Sheffield (laughs) Arena. Um, That sounds funny. Yeah, but... And my man, Dave, though. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Shout out to Dave Allen. Hopefully he gets the win. Um, And yeah, you know... Dorian Darch, do you know what, Eddie? You you knocked Dorian Darch out in like the second round or whatever, but Dorian Darch was not, you know, he's he's not that bad of a fight, you know. He's quite a tough guy, you know, even no, though he was no. terrible against you. No. You busted no, his tough. nose up. He's didn't you bust his nose up like in the first round or something? Yeah. 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 Yeah, he took, a, he took some punishment when we fought. No doubt about it. I mean, I, and I'm being edged on by the guys like, get him out of there. Don't back off him. You know what I mean? I'm hearing it, and it's hard sometimes to, you know, because pers- the way I fight, the way I, you know, I box, I don't really, you know, for the most part, come forward. I don't really come forward too much and, and try to mix up unnecessarily, you know what I mean? I don't take unnecessary chances, you know what I mean? So when I'm in there, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going to my normal thing, and I start to box, I start to look for things, I start to pick shots and things like that. And I got the guys behind me. Get him out of there. Stop waiting on him. Stop waiting on it. You know, and I'm trying to do my thing, but you know, obviously you get that peer pressure and you gotta you gotta put him away if you can. So I try to and I think I think I did. Yeah, you did. You did him in three rounds just checking. I thought it was two, but you did him in three. That was a yeah, fight that and I swear to god I'm not checking this. That was on the that was on the undercard of Fury Chisora too, wasn't it? Yes it was. Yeah, and I walked and what, to the what room. was what, what was Yes, you did. And they, you know that <laughs> they messed up the sound, so you had to walk to the ring with no music on. Do you remember? Yes, I do. <laughs> I definitely remember that. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a crazy run that um, Dorian Darch went on. I mean, you know, he, he obviously turned pro. He gathered like I'm looking at it now six wins in a row, um, and then he lost his O to Ian Lewison. Then. Um, He beat Paul Butlin, who um, went on to fight Joshua, and then obviously he lost to Huey Fury on points. Then he got stopped by Joshua in Mm -hmm. two. Then he beat Tom Little, Mm -hmm. who's still bouncing around the scene. A good, a decent fight. I'd like to see him fight Dave Allen, actually. He beat Tom Little, surprisingly. And then he lost to you. And then Mm -hmm. in his next fight, he took on the six foot eight and a half cruiserweight, and he beat him. Oh yeah, six, yeah, crazy. Mm. Six foot, and then he beat Larry. Do you remember Larry Olabamiwo? You don't remember him, do you? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. All about me, yeah. He was massive, wasn't he? Like, huge. Mm-hmm. Like, muscly guy, you know? I think he yeah. got busted for peds at one point, but <laughs> he... Uh... No, I do I do remember. I remember Dave fought him, too. Dave fought Larry, <laughs> did he? Yeah. Are you for real? I don't remember that. You don't remember that? Did that, did that definitely happen? Yeah, he did. You're right. Yeah, yeah it happened. You're, you're right. You're yeah. right. Because I remember he, he was fought. working with um, he was with Peter at the time. Yeah, I remember he fought in his last fight, Larry Abamiwo. He fought um, Huey Fury in his last ever fight, and by that time, you'd gone back to the states, and I actually walked Huey Fury out like a complete traitor. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> I was I, when you left Team Fury, I was still hanging on <laughs> by a thread. <laughs> That's good. That's cool. You still, you still with the team? What you talking about? But hey, while we're talking about <laughs> ring walks and stuff like that, this is the perfect moment, Eddie, to talk about what happened. Um, about what was it? Four weeks okay. ago now. I say it's probably the best time yeah. to talk about what happened four weeks ago. So, right. let me set the scene. So um, we're in the, you know, we're backstage in Atlantic City at <laughs> the Clarissa Shields and Ivana Habazin fight. And we all walk out to the ring, you know, like we, we all walk out with Ivana as a team. And, um, you know, we all walk to the ring and stuff. We're all sat ringside. Eddie, you're actually in the corner. So, you know, this entourage consisted of probably about, I'd say about 10 people, something like that, including Ivana. And, you know, obviously you've got your brother Steve, the trainer. He's in the corner. You've got yourself in the corner. And who else was in the corner? Was it the uh, her friend from... Um, um. Yeah, or her, I don't know if it was her manager yeah, I think or family. Her, I thought yeah. it was fam. No, I think it's yeah. her manager. But, you know, so three of you in the corner. And, um, you know, we're all scattered around ringside in these uh, these sort of temporary seats that weren't really ours. And then when we all go back, right. you know, go back into the dressing room after the fight, obviously it's the final fight. Everyone's getting up and leaving their seats and stuff like that. And, you know, we, we, we kind of just join in the entourage again and we're walking back through through backstage and then of course we, we got swanned straight into an elevator or a lift I should be saying and um, we're yeah. all in this lift and then I'm looking around <laughs> and everyone in the entourage is there apart from you <laughs> so I'm kind of thinking you know like maybe they'll they'll send you up in the next lift or whatever and um, we all go upstairs and then of course you know people are saying where the I'm not going to say the, the actual words but where the bleep is Eddie and um, they're all looking at me I've got no answers at all and of course these you know these people in the entourage <laughs> I'd only met them I've, I'd only met met them I'd only met them literally a couple of yeah. hours before so I don't know these guys really at all I'm only there with you and um, anyway about two hours goes by and no one has heard from Eddie Eddie's phone is dead and he's not in the dressing room he he's just disappeared so i'm starting to think that you left my backside <laughs> in that lennox <Atlantic> no <laughs> i'm joking mm. well i'm not joking actually i was thinking where the hell are you man <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, i know you were and then we came down in the foyer and literally no one had seen you you know i i didn't re- i literally just felt abandoned in atlantic sea and then um and then yeah we we just bumped <laughs> into you in the casino and you just acted yeah. like nothing happened but what really happened is 
your backside got refused <laughs> to go backstage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so of the, all people. the security guard actually thought that you were some kind of fraud and uh, you were not part of the team despite wearing uh, a quite clear Ivana Habazin tracksuit. You were you were some kind of fraudster that was trying to get backstage for one reason or yeah. another when all the fights had finished. And um, shout yeah. out to that security guard, by the way. Definitely. <laughs> Give him a rise. <laughs> yeah. Or a raise. Yeah, he, he stepped right to me, put my hand, put his hand on my chest and said, no, nah, man, you can't come back here. And I showed him the band. And he looked at me and said, well, no, nah, that still don't mean you could only press game. Only people with press passes and all that. I'm like, look at this guy like, damn, yo. Like, I could have made a big deal of it. I'm like, look at my jacket. Wear a Clarissa Shields card, right? I have on a Ivana Habazon jacket. There are no one in the audience besides people in our camp that are there for her. You had a <laughs> Why the hell on? would I have on a, a, an Ivana Habazon jacket and not be in the corner? And you had the wristband. Like, it just made me... Huh? And you had the wristband as well. And I had the wristband on, on, on top of that. And the guy still told me I shouldn't come back. You know, yeah, I got a shout-out for him. I need a shout-out. I don't even want to say that online. I'm just going, because it's stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I got like, that was a real stupid thing for, to do. I mean, I understand you got to do your job. And that's why I just left and just said, to hell with it. And went on out to the uh, like lobby area or the area where everybody was leaving and just left. Because it was pointless, and I was getting, I was a little upset. I was a little angry. Because of all people... He didn't stop nobody else. I saw people go right by him. He didn't stop no one else and decided to stop me. Yeah, because I'm going on. No, no, it's times like that. Like, I never have mental breakdowns or meltdowns or flipping out and hitting people. But with a guy like that, because I'm watching people go by him, him not say anything, it just made me want to just slap him. Seriously. Because it was ridiculous. Yeah, I didn't tell you this, but, um, you know, when we were, you know, we were just walking around and a lot of people in the team, they had like, you know, they had like their their hotel room, they had places to go or whatever. And it was funny because at one point there was like loads of us, you know, everyone was there apart from you. And then like one of the guys left to go like back to his hotel. It was getting late. The fights had finished. Another guy, I think, went back to his wife in the hotel room. And all of us, like the entourage just started getting smaller and smaller. And I said to Bashir and your brother, I said like, I'm, <laughs> I was prepared to follow them into the bathroom, man, if they went there because I, I had no one else to go to. <laughs> I was completely lost, man. But um, yeah, you're... Your your phone battery, man. Oh boy, that was that was crazy. It was a mm-hmm. few worrying hours. Yeah, I couldn't, the phone let, went dead, I couldn't yeah. let Bashir out of my sights because, um, yeah, I couldn't let him out of my <laughs> out of my sights. Otherwise, I'd have been hitchhiking my way back to back to London, I guess. But um, <laughs> but yeah, um, 
Anyway, back onto this Sheffield card that's taking place. Sorry for the rambling. If it wasn't interesting, then I apologise. Um, Martin J. Ward, 23-1 and with two draws. Former British champion. I think, did he win the European title? He may have. Anyway, he was a guy that was chasing Tevin Farmer for a long, long time. Well, that fight obviously won't be happening anytime soon. He takes on Jesus Amparan, who's 16-1. and Interesting thing about Amparan is that he's got 14 KOs and his one loss came on points to a guy that I think was a very good amateur as well. So that fight there, definitely going under the radar. Um, Terry Harper, 9-0. and She takes on Eva Wallstrom, 23-1 and with two draws. Wallstrom, a former opponent of Katie Taylor. That one's for the IBO and WBC World Female Super Featherweight titles over 10 two-minute rounds. Um, also, we've got Kel Brook, 38-2. and He returns to the ring. It's for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Super Welterweight title. He takes on Mark the Bazooka DeLuca. Not going to lie here. Um, I don't know tons about this guy, but from what I'm hearing, he's not as bad as you know as as people are saying. Um, he's got one loss to a guy called Walter Wright. It was a split decision over 12 rounds, but then he came back in an immediate rematch and beat the guy unanimously over 10. So. Um, it was a close fight again in the second fight, but you know he's avenged his one loss, and um, apparently he's not a bad fighter. Apparently he's quite a fun, you know, he's got quite a fun kind of style. But a very good fight that is taking place also on the bill. Kid Galahad, obviously his record these days twenty six and one. The one loss, a very controversial one for the world title against Josh Warrington, a man that Shakur Stevenson is desperate to fight. Um, he takes on Claudio Marrero, 24-3. and three. Marrero been in there with the likes of Tuckstock Niambiar, who we will be mentioning in a couple of minutes' time because he's fighting this weekend. Um, you know, that one was for the IBO World Featherweight title. Niambiar, a quality world-level fighter. He also lost to, um, to Jesus Rojas, who I think is the guy that... I think that's the guy that um, Joseph Diaz beat when he was just overweight for the for the world title, you know. And his other loss came to I think it was oh gosh, I've forgotten now. I think it was a guy who um, a guy who Javante Davis knocked out quite early. I forgot his name now. He had a kind of Spanishy sounding name. Forgot the guy's name. But anyways, um, yeah, you know, Mark, Mark. Oh, you, sorry, go on. You you were, you were going to tell. Um... Damn, I was thought I was gonna say his name and I lost it. Just, just no, his, name was, just... his name was Jesus Cuellar. I don't know if you were gonna say him. But, oh no. Um, yeah, Javante. No, Davis, no, I wasn't gonna say that. Yeah, Javante Davis stopped him in three rounds some some time back. But Claudio Moreira, um, not a bad fighter. So that's a good fight there for Kid Galahad. I think it's some kind of final eliminator as well. Uh, moving out now to the Hard Rock Hotel in Daytona Beach, Florida. One fight to mention over here. Evan Holyfield, yes, you have guessed it. 2-0 and as a professional. Four rounds against Travis Nero, who's 1-5, Evan Holyfield. You may know his father, Ivan Dar Holyfield. Um, yeah, so that's who he is. That's his claim to fame. Yet to make a mistake, though, in the pros. 2-0, um, and o, like I say. Moving out now to the Civic Center in Indiana, USA. Over here... Um, yeah, definitely a special shout-out to Charles Conwell, 11-0. and No opponent just yet, not quite sure who he's fighting, but obviously Charles Conwell, a real good... Um 
a real good fighter, and as we all know, he was involved in that that you know that, that very emotional fight that took place. You know, in in 2019, he was the fighter in the opposite corner to Patrick Day, who of course, of course, tragically lost his life um, on mm. on um, you know on that card back in October. So um, yeah, all the best to Charles Conway. Like I say, you know, to go through something like that, um, it's yet to be seen if that will have any lasting effect on you know on how he performs from now on out. You know, so. Uh, yeah, just a little special mention to him, Charles Conwell. Like I say, very, very good fighter, but um, you know that's that's hopefully not mm. going to kind of plague him going forward. As 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 harsh as that may seem, you know. But yeah, you know, it was it was very, very tragic, very unfortunate, and um, yeah, he's took some you know he's took some time out to reflect on the situation. Um, moving out now to mm. the PPL Center in Pennsylvania. This one's in Allentown. Um, Eddie, that's, is that yeah. far from you? Or? Okay. Um, about a couple hours. It's okay. not too far. It's about, yeah, about, almost about two hours. Almost two hours. Okay, it's the man that we had on last week's show, Gary Russell Jr., 30-1. and one. Like I say, he takes mm. on Tugstock, um, the MBR, 11-0. Very, very good amateur. Um, he's, you know, he's been moved very fast. I think he's number one in the WBC. So it's, yeah, he is. He's, he's, he's a mandatory there for Gary Russell Jr. Not really the kind of fight that he wants. He wants those big fights. He's talking all about the likes of, um, Leo Santa Cruz, the likes of Tevin Farmer before he lost, by the way, to, to, to Diaz and, um, Javante Davis mm-hmm. is another name that he's called out, but yeah. Um, that that should be interesting. Like I say, like I said to Gary Russell Jr. on last week's show, you know these kind of mm. fights here against these guys. You know the guy's name's Tug Stott in the MBR doesn't speak any English mm. to my knowledge. Obviously, doesn't have a big name because it's it's even hard to pronounce. Um, very very good amateur. Right. You know it won't be the biggest mm. kind of money fight for Gary uh, for Gary Russell, but you know it's it's these fights that that you can't take your you can't afford to take your eye off the prize on, you know, because you take your foot off the gas here, you, you know, it's a, it's a banana skin and this, this kind of fight can rip away all those big future paydays down the line. So it's, it's, if anything, um, perhaps the hardest kind of fight to get yourself motivated for, but the most dangerous high risk, low reward. Yeah. Yeah. Those, and trust me, I know a little something about that. Uh, in a little fight I had with a South African guy, what about now about seven years ago, you know, you don't really know much about them. Things are hidden. Things are kept from you. And you're taking a fight. You know, it's, that one wasn't, wasn't so much that was on short notice. It was just that there was no real understanding of what I was facing. I had no idea about the kid. I didn't know his amateur background. I didn't know anything about him at all. And then you get put in a situation like that. And, and you're in there fighting and you have no clue of what. The only thing you know is a southpaw and short. You know what I mean? Or something like that. And then he's pretty vague, basic you know, uh, description of what's going to happen and you don't really know what to go on. And now granted, if you were an amateur and a big time amateur, you would be able to deal with those types of things, which I do have some, some frame of refer- a reference of, of dealing with that in, in, in my past, but man, it's, it's tough. You know what I mean? It's really like what you said, it is def- definitely a little tougher to get up for those guys. And, and, and what if they're good? What if they're really, really talented? What if they're really, tough or what if they have something that may be a little more awkward and difficult for you to deal with 
And if you only got one night to really deal with it and really understand what's in front of you, man, it's hard to make those adjustments. So it's gonna it 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 may be a easy fight or it's supposed to be a quote unquote easy fight, but these are the kind of things that sneak up on people, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it, it's it's always usually a family affair when it comes to Gary Russell. He's got um, Gary Antoine Russell on the card, who's twelve and zero with twelve KOs. He takes on Jose Marufo, who's nine. Uh, sorry, twelve and nine with two draws. Um, Gary Antonio Russell also makes an appearance, sixteen and zero with twelve KOs. He takes on Jesus Martinez, who's twenty-seven and ten. Um, just trying to see who Martinez has been in there with. He's been in there with the likes of TJ Doheny, who, of course, was a world champion last year till he lost his title to Danny Roman. It seems like everyone we're mentioning on this week's show is all interlinked with other guys. Um, right. Yeah, this guy as well. He's been in there with the likes of Lewis Neary, obviously a real good fighter. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's that's a solid enough test there for Gary Antonio Russell, despite him being 16-0, and 0, perhaps his level of competition should be stepped up a little bit but also on the bill Guillermo Rigondo um, 19 and 1 it's for the vacant WBA world bantamweight title against Liborio Solis 30 and 5 with a draw Solis I think I think he's uh, I'm sure he was a one or two weight world champion anyway we know him quite well over here he boxed um, he boxed our very own Jamie McDonald twice, and um, yeah, the first fight ended controversially. A lot of people felt that Solis did enough to beat McDonald, and McDonald perhaps got some kind of hometown decision, even though the fight wasn't in the UK. And then in the second mm-hmm. fight, there was a head clash, and it ended up being a no decision after three rounds. So um, yeah, controversy in both fights there, but you know, all the best to Gary. Russell, anyway, on that fight there on that card, and the final bill to mention takes place at the the venue named Tyson's Playground. It's in Virginia, USA. Um, just one fight to mention: Dusty Hernandez Harrison, um, a friend of the show. Mm. We interviewed him just once. It was a few years ago. Thirty-three and O with a draw. Probably the best name on his record would have to be Mike Dallas Jr., who, again, we mentioned earlier, and um, Mike Dallas lost to your Dennis Ugas, but everyone seems to be interlinked. Anyway, very long, undefeated record, quite a padded record, if I'm being honest. Anyway, he takes on Les Sherrington, I think, um, of Australia, I think, and he's got quite a padded record himself, 38 wins and 14 losses. That's an eight-rounder there. All the best to Dusty Hernandez-Harrison. Um... But yeah, that really wraps up part two. It's been quite longer this show than than I expected initially. We've we've gone off the off off topic a few times, but um, like I say, Eddie, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Whether that's boxing, whether that's uh, basketball. No, I'm joking. It's definitely not basketball. But whenever we're not talking about basketball, it's a pleasure speaking with you. So, like I say, thank you for uh, thank you for replacing us once again and joining me on mm. what is now, I think, quite officially the Joey and Eddie podcast. No, uh, no, it's no problem, man. Like I said. Most times, like at you know, these times of the night, I'm relaxing, getting ready to go and, you know, cut it down for the night and or eating or something like that and just relaxing. So, you know, why couldn't I, why couldn't I get on the show and help you out? You know what I mean? And I enjoy it. And like I said, we like talking about boxing. And, of course, I like talking just in general. So <laughs> this is actually a good thing for me. Appreciate it, Joe. 
Thank you very much, Eddie, my man. Thank you very much once no again. But that really wraps up everything for part two. The final thing to do just before we wrap up the show entirely is to welcome our second and final guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former heavyweight world title challenger, the man himself, Mr. Gerald Washington. Gerald, welcome back on the show, my man. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Great to have you back on, Gerald. So we last spoke back in July. It was just after the win over Robert Hellenius. Um, What have you been up to since then? Man, I've just been working uh, very hard. I got a chance to uh, work with Andrew Ruiz and help him in preparation. Anthony Joshua, I got to go to Saudi Arabia and uh, just help him out a little bit over there. Go um, and just be and just witness that live in person. It was an amazing show out there. And Riyadh, and, Riyadh. and uh, just been working on my craft as well. I also got a chance to go out to London and work with a Derek Shore to help him in preparation with, uh, for for David Price for a little bit, just to kind of see. Uh, it was great to to see that guy's work. Man, that guy works like a horse. Man, he's an animal. He's a beast, man, and, and you can see why he fights the way he does. Oh, that's that's brilliant work, man. I, I wasn't even aware of that. What was it like to be in Saudi? Obviously, the last time we spoke, um, you know, Joshua had just lost by by stoppage to Ruiz in the rematch. You know, he showed a different side of his game. He showed that he can box yeah. and not really get tired. You know, for the whole twelve. Yeah, it was a it was a he did a beautiful display of boxing. Uh, the smart way, sticky move. He moved around. He didn't get caught up in the exchanges. He 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 fought a smart fight, and it took him to a to a victory. And your next fight, um, it takes place on the Wilderverse Fury Two undercard in Las Vegas, February twenty second. Is the day against the former IBF heavyweight world champion Charles Martin. What are your thoughts on Charles Martin at this stage of his career, Gerald? He's of course had a couple of ups and downs as well. Yeah, very very uh, talented fighter, strong will, smart guy. Uh, Looking, looking forward to uh, competing against him. I know he's been through his, through his things as well. You know, I, I'm expecting to see the best Charles Martin as of yet. And obviously he's a southpaw. It's been a while since I think you've come across one. I think we'd have to go back to as far as maybe Mansoor. Um, exactly. How, which one, sorry? Yes, sir. Oh, Mansoor, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so how do you kind of feel that you fare against southpaws in general? Obviously, that fight didn't end the way you wanted it to back then. Yeah, but it, it was, uh, you know, it was a man experience as well. I definitely thought I won that fight. He, the guy could never, uh, you know, I, I boxed my way to, to that fight as well. You know, I'm, I'm sticking and moving and, and just not allowing the guy to make any contact with me whatsoever. So, I mean, but but I, but I also learned, you know, a different part of the game. You know what I mean? You have to be... It doesn't worry about the crowd. It doesn't. It's not about that. But you just have to be. Uh, you do have to be aware of your offense a little more. You know, if I would have, <clears throat> I hate to take away from that fight because I, I, was, I was definitely so young in boxing, and that that was a very dangerous in my tour. You know, what I mean, I fought the right type of fight and fight. But yeah, I just, uh, you just gotta, you just, you just gotta go about your work the way that you're supposed to, the way that we train to, and from there, you know, all the good things will happen. And of course, yourself and Charles Martin, both in recent times, have fought and lost to Adam Kalnaki. Now, yeah. Um, yeah. when when we last spoke, you, you know, we mentioned the the. Uh, it might have been the last time we spoke. It might have been the time before that, but we mentioned the Charles Martin fight with Kalnaki. You know, I'm sure 
I'm sure I remember you saying that you watched it. Obviously, it was a good fight. But comparing, you know, the two results against Kalnaki, Martin's performance was obviously the better one. Obviously, he, you know, he's a, he's a southpaw. He's the former champion. I'm guessing he must be the favorite in this fight. But numbers are, are of course, just numbers. How difficult of a challenge do you feel this is for you? I mean, as far as the Kalnaki fight goes, you know, just... Uh... Stylistically, I went in there with the wrong game plan. You know, I, we all know what type of fighter I am. Uh, we actually did use the, the Charles Martin fight as a reference for us. And we said, hey, Charles Martin did his best work on the inside. We're going to fight this guy on the inside. But I, I should have definitely taken my time and uh, broke him down for a little while before I got in there in the fire and started mixing it up. So that's another lesson learned. You got to understand. I only had 10 fights as a, as a kid, and I came back and I had four fights after after playing college football at the University of Southern California and, uh, you know, putting my bid in in the NFL with the, with the Buffalo Bills and, you know, turning the boxing. So it was like a lot of the stuff that I do, I learned on the job. And it's like, it's, like it, it, it's, uh, it's definitely every, every time I'm in the ring is a learning experience for me. So I'm just putting it all together the best that I can. You know, I have a strong will, strong mind, strong, strong heart and spirit, and I'm gonna continue to push forward. I'm having, a, I'm having a great time and, and, and loads of fun. You know, on, on this journey, and I'm just uh, getting better every day as well. But right now, I, I feel that I learned so many lessons along the way. But now I'm finally, finally start to get a, 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 a grip of what's going on in there. I get a grip of, you know, the different styles. I get a grip of, you know, how, how to push myself in there. Just how to relax and just put it all together, and it's finally. I think I'm finally becoming a professional. You know what I mean? I know I've been doing this for seven and a half years, and it takes some people 20, 30 years to finally understand what's going on. But I feel like I'm doing very well with my career. With my career, I started boxing at 30 years old. You know what I mean? So I'm very proud of myself. No, listen, I mean. For, for the very limited amateur experience that you had to, you know, to fight the type of pros that you've that you fought and beaten, um, is 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 quite unbelievable in itself, really. But you know, the, the three losses to Kalanaki, Miller, and Wilder, obviously no shame in them. But are they better fighters than Charles Martin? Especially Miller. Miller. Miller has. We already know what kind of uh, fighter he was. So yeah, we do. As far as, yeah, I mean, Martin presents his own set of challenges. He's, he has a very strong will. He's a very determined fighter. You know, he gets in there and he, and he, and he, has, he has a punch on him. You know what I mean? He has, he has a lot of knockouts on his record. The thing is, I, I've known Charles on the way up. I've got to experience him. I've got to spar in the ring with him. And uh, we know, I would say, we know each other, but we don't know the newest versions of each other. So... It's going to be a great challenge. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to, it's going to have a different feel than, than anybody else because I, I haven't fought somebody that I've known before. You know what I mean? But this is um this is going to be a great fight. And what is the plan here, Gerald? Because like I say, it's another big fight for you. You've been involved in many, um, you know, in, in, in your last few fights and stuff like that. And to be honest, even even before that, you've been... You've been mixing it, like I say, with with good fighters from a very early part in your pro career. But um, yeah, a win here. Where does that take you? Surely another big fight. Yeah, most definitely. We're just climbing the ladder, you know, climbing the ladder, and it's, it's four main belts. And right now, I'm in line for the IBF. And we all know that Anthony Joshua is the champion. But right now, I can't worry about what's the fight after this or or anything else. I have a big task at hand, you know, and I'm looking forward to. 
to getting in the ring and showing the best version of myself and just really putting the game plan together. I, I cannot worry about who I'm gonna. Is there gonna be another fight after this? Do I get to fight Anthony Joshua? Do I get to, you know, do I, where I'm at on the ring? I don't care about any of that because it doesn't matter until I can handle my business here. So this is where all of my focus is at. I'm bringing in. I've learned from my last fight that you have to bring in, you know, the the right sparring partners and get and get a good game plan together and not just have other people's understandings. You have to have your own understanding, and, and that's what I'm doing for myself this time. I'm really preparing myself. I'm asking every question, every thought, anything that comes to my mind. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm making sure I have good. Uh, a good understanding and clarification on it before I move forward because I don't want no stone unturned. So I'm, I'm really pushing myself. And now I'm at a point where I've always been in great physical condition, but now I'm at a point where I can finally understand how to use it. You know what I mean? Like you can be in great shape, but if you don't know how to use it, that, that conditioning will be gone in, in 30 seconds. You'll be wondering, scratching your head, trying to figure like, man, what's going on? I've, I've done everything that I've had to do. This is how you have to prepare physically. You have to prepare mentally. And that's where I'm at right now. And, of course, you're on that undercard, the, the highly, hotly anticipated rematch, Fury Wilder. Everyone oh, yeah. kind of sees it the same way. You know, they kind of say, well, if it goes to points, Fury wins. If it ends with a KO, then it will be Wilder getting the win. How do you see the rematch playing now? Obviously, Fury in a lot better shape now. Yeah, he's in a lot better shape. But, man, something about Deontay Wilder, man, he has, he has that... The dynamite in his hands, you know what I mean? He's done so great, and he's done so much for boxing, just as well as as, uh, as, Tyson, as uh, uh, Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. But, you know, Deontay Water is, 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 is paved his way the hard way, you know what I mean? He didn't have his respect early on. Now he's gained the respect of the world, and, uh, you know what I'm saying, and everybody knows who he, who he is, and everybody fears him. And I think Deontay uh, Water is going to clip Tyson Fury, man, I, I don't I don't see Tyson Fury making it all the way out. I don't see him pressing Beyonce Wilder to the point where he's uncomfortable. He's a very poised fighter. I definitely think he's gonna get him. He's gonna get him. Get him. Get him early. <laughs> Hope that you're wrong, <laughs> but um, yeah, the, ne- the the next question and really the the uh, the last real question, Gerald. I probably should have asked you this last time we spoke, but you you touched on it there, and it just reminded me. Obviously, Big Baby Miller. You know, I remember you were at that weigh-in with the sign saying this is a drug-free workplace. Um, yeah. Basically, accusing Big Baby at the time of taking peds, and at that stage. You know, he wasn't even under suspicion. It was two years later that we all learned that, he, you know, he, he finally did get caught. Um, what yeah. did you think when the news broke? I mean, what did you think about that? Because you were the first uh, guy it, to it, it, it was it was it was gutting. You want to know why? Because I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a great sport. You know what I mean? I gave this guy all the credit, all the love, all the respect. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm like, you know, I, pre- I appreciate you know the hard work that you put in. I, I'm grateful for the the hard fight that and the lessons that I learned from this fight. And then, he, and then I come to find out that this guy was a cheater. I know that he's cheated before, and I know that he's been caught before. And, and I should have, I should have taken that into consideration. I was like, who is this guy? I already know his history. But me being, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been fooled once, and you know, I, I would, I would give people the benefit of the doubt, even when he got caught with all those drugs. I knew that he was dirty. I knew that he was dirty. I knew that he was dirty. But in my heart, when he said, "Hey, man, don't listen to the media. They just, they're just talking crap right now." And in my heart of hearts, I wanted to believe. I did believe him. And then the next day, you know, when the when the second result came out, or whatever. I'm sorry, guys, I fucked up. You know what I'm saying? I was like, man, 
fuck you, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I really wanted to believe him. You know what I'm saying? I, I really wanted to. I really hope that, you know what I'm saying? He, he, he was a clean guy, an honest guy, especially with this sport, man. You, you can literally kill somebody in there. You know what I mean? People could, and then, and then if you're on the, if you're on the, on the juice, man, like, somebody should throw your ass in jail, under the jail for the rest of your life because you, you cheating. You know what I mean? It's not, this is, as, as we're all trying to come up, man. We all got to put in the work. You know what I mean? We all have to put in the work. I knew something was wrong because I played football. I understand what a 300 pound man does. I understand that if we, we run these, these sprints, we got to run 20, 100 yard sprints after the second or third sprint. Motherfucker, you gonna be done. Like you know what I'm saying? You 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 slow down. But if you have something in your body that's pushing you and allowing you to maintain that same that same the energy level, it, yeah, it becomes it becomes a hard fight. You know, especially me not not knowing everything that I know now. But now I would know how to navigate that. You know what I mean? But now, but that back then I didn't I did not know at the time. You know what I mean? And he and he I knew he was awesome shit to keep him alive and keep him pushing. You know what I mean? It just so happened to be that. You know, he was fine for a world title, and, and he, it was regulated, and he got away with it until that point. Yeah, I mean, it, it is shocking. It is shocking. I mean, you're right in what you're saying. You know, no one can really defend him at all, especially when, you know, news came out that what he had in his system, I think one of the things, I think it was more than just one thing, he the only three, way for him to go in was for injecting himself, you know? Yeah, he had three drugs, three drugs, man. But we all, like I said, we all know what, a 300 pound, you know, guy. What, what happened? We, it's, 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 it's proven. Uh, you know what I mean? We know what it is. You're gonna slow down. It's hard to carry that. You know what I mean? And 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 when when he man, I, I don't have nothing to say about it. It, it like it upsets. You know what I mean? It upsets me because I know he got away with it, and it it just, it just burns. So now you know it is what it is. I can't even believe they're allowing him to come back, man. But you know, I, I, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't respect that at all. No, fair enough. Like I say, no one can really defend, uh, you know, the crazy things he did. But just ending it on a brighter note, I like to always ask you, Gerald, um, you know, if you've got a message just to send to your supporters from over here in the UK that have, have been following you from day one and, of course, want you to yeah. get the win. I, and I appreciate the support, man. I, I, a lot of people actually write me from over there. I'm very grateful to them, you know, and all the people around the world and everywhere. It's just like, you know, and, and people that, you know, people stick with you one moment and, you know, and then they, they turn their back on you the next, you know what I mean? But the people that stuck with me and just uh, taking this journey with me, I appreciate it. I'm very grateful. And it just makes the victory so much sweeter, you know what I mean? To conquer those things that, you know, man, it's to get the weight off of your chest, you know what I mean? Those those, those, those victories they mean so much more when you put in the work you understand why you put in the work in now why you why you really need to focus and lock in it's like I, I don't ever want to feel that again you know what i mean things happen you know what i mean things happen and uh like the calmaxon fight man i, I could have fought that fight my normal style and, and I, I really i really felt i, I you know I, I was like after the fight i was like why did i do my thing like, why did I do this new thing? And it ain't my thing. And that just made me a new fighter. But it was like, uh, I, have to, I have to swallow it. You know what I'm saying? And, and just take that and, and learn from it. You know what I mean? Learn from that and keep going, man. So I appreciate everybody that stuck with me. To, to, to the guys that, that they give, give me the lessons and my losses, Deontay Walter and Kanaki, I congratulate them 100%, man. Great fighters, hardworking guys, you know what I mean? And, and, and all the best to them. And Deontay Walter on this card, I'm very grateful to be on this show. But everybody, like I said, man, thank you for all the love, man. 
and uh, I'm just looking forward to this, man, and looking to, to forward to another great performance for everybody. And we're looking forward to watching it as well. Gerald, listen, it is always great catching up with you, my friend. I'm sure that you know that. Best of luck for Feb 22nd in Vegas, and we'll definitely catch up sometime after the fight. Yes, sir. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. bang. Okay, and this wraps up episode 225 of the Box Hub Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our two guests on this show, Mr. Gerald Washington, the former heavyweight world title challenger, and of course, the reigning WBO undefeated featherweight world champion, Mr. Shakur Stevenson. I apologize for the distortation on the... um, on the Gerald Washington interview, completely had no idea until after um, when I when I played it back, of course. And at that stage, it was too late to, uh, to to really do anything about it. So I've tried to kind of pluck at it and make it, you know, as listenable as possible. So hopefully, it is listenable. Otherwise, I'm extremely extremely sorry about that. Um, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Like I say, the biggest thank you to you guys, the listeners, for making this show what it is. I apologise once again for the wash. Washington interview, uh, the quality there. But that is about it from myself. No more news to discuss. The Prediction Leagues will be coming back real soon. And of course, another t-shirt competition will be coming real soon. So make sure you listen out for that. That is everything. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe and we shall see you all again next week.